0: Well, good morning. I don't know about you, but anyone that can come behind Chris Tomlin with a piano and an organ deserves a round of applause. Y'all give them up, give it up for them again. Uh, that was great worship, great worship. Singing Chris Tomlin, you hear the piano and the organ in the background, making it work out is, is just really fantastic. Has this, been, has this been a fun morning so far for y'all as it has been for me? Baptism is great. And then when things happen during baptism, that makes it so much more funnier. I tell you, like when Max comes out, I'm thinking Max is about to drown because the water's right here on Max. Then he stands up and he's towering above everybody else. That was just really fun. And then um, to see uh, Josh and Pastor Dow almost get electrocuted. uh, (laughs) Glad that didn't happen. And uh, so that was pretty interesting as well well too. The, The thing about tall people when you baptize is, You've got to get the front part down before the feet come up. It's a, it's a, it's a, a balance thing you've got to do there with that. Uh, it is a privilege to be able to share with you today on such a special, special day. Um, how many of you would say that you have already felt like the Holy Spirit is in this place and has, has made himself known to you? Okay. Wonderful. How many would you say that you've already really felt like God has ministered to you even before the sermon has started? Isn't that wonderful? Wow, it takes the pressure off me, okay? It really does. I realize by the time I preach that God is already at work and has already been at work in your lives. And first song in, I'm going, Holy Spirit, you're here, you're at work. You're going to do amazing things today. Uh, I don't have to be the only bringer of that or carrier of that, but you're going to to do that. And if you didn't raise your hand and you say, well, I really haven't felt the Spirit yet, that's okay because we're not done yet. There is still more to come today in our time together. And as our brother prayed up here, um, and by the way, Bill had uh, organ music behind his offertory prayer. How cool was that, right? Um, But if you have not really received yet what you're here for, just wait and just be open, hold your hands out, let me see your hands, hold your hands out, yeah, hold your hands out, because God will give you what he brought you here for, there's no doubt about that, as we're going to find out today in his word, um, God can be 100% trusted in your life for all things at all times. Well, today, I want to uh, take you on a special trip, all of you all together on a very special trip, we're going to put on our VR goggles, and this trips me out. I'm glad this fad kind of came and went. Um, But we're gonna put on our VR goggles and we're going to go to a very, very special place together. Now, I'm sorry to say that it is not a tropical island somewhere where we'll be vacationing together, but this morning I wanna pick you up. Uh, I wanna drop you into my church plant and drop you into the journey of what has been the church at West Vista. Uh, We started this church uh, back in January of 2016 in our home, Uh, began planning this in 2015 with 11 members of a launch team. We laid out our DNA of who we were going to be as a church. So this DNA can replicate and continue on down for all the churches that are planted through us after us. Our DNA includes four things. We believe the church is the beautiful bride of Christ. It is priceless, the very best organization of people in the world ever created, and it does great things, and it's worth taking care of and coming to and being a part of and seeing it expand. It's a beautiful, beautiful bride. We also believe that um, we are one church, but we are many churches. We're the universal church, and we want to see churches spawned from us and churches spawned from Holland Avenue, we are one church, but we are many in number. We also believe that we're not attractional, we're relational as churches. We can have the best slogans and the best graphics and do all kinds of things to pull people in, but if we're not relational, it won't last. And we're not just a church building, but we're everywhere. We're spread out. So we're relational more than we are attractional. And we also believe, fourthly, in servant leadership that we come to church to do two things, to be discipled ourselves and to share the gospel. Everyone has the same responsibilities. There's no titles or power. There's no privileges. We are all the same. And if we're not discipling others and being discipled, then we can't get anything else. we got to start there. No one goes beyond those two things. So we planted our DNA. We launched out from one group of 11 people to uh, three groups and three different house churches all over the Midlands and our goal is to of course continue to multiply beyond there. We've grown from 11 to about 40 or 45 people in participation. The way our sermons work uh, is that we introduce our topics in sermon form and then in the house church during the week, uh, normally what we do on Wednesdays here, we do those at home during the week, we dive deeper into the Scriptures. One thing we believe in at the church at West Vista is destinations. We see ourselves as being on a train and we're on a journey and we have to know where we're going next and what the goal is. And when we get there, we celebrate that, but we also plot out what the next destination is. And so at any time, you can say, Where are we going? And our folks should be able to tell you that. And they can also say, Where have we been? And we can give you. Um, Uh, a map of of the places that we've been so far. It's important for a church. That's vision, really. Destination is just vision. It's important to say where are we going where have we been as a church. Uh, Just so far to brag on the Lord, because this is not a work of man (laughs) at all. Um, God did not call me to church plant first and early on. Um, It's not something we came up with ourselves. In fact, I think me and my associate pastor ran from it as long as we could, until God stopped us and said, do this, and we said, yes sir, once he said, do this. Um, So far, our destinations, uh, we've experienced multiple house churches. Uh, We've baptized four in the last year and a half. We introduced covenant membership, so we have church members now, we teach what membership means. Uh, We've done 19 outreach events all over the city. Um, We have established a weekly worship gathering that was not our first goal our first goal was small groups and house churches and relational ministry and then once we grew some we added worship Uh, we started our student ministry back in October so we have our youth group that meets now also um, our Lord's Supper we do once a month it was very important for us to begin the Lord's Supper as quickly as possible we do that once a month to add to that ah, we purchased our own church insurance that's a big deal because it costs like a thousand dollars, you know, right? And we're all like new Christians and baby Christians, and so to have a thousand bucks took us a little while, but we got it uh, and that's just a really huge celebration for us. Um, Also this past December we participated in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, able to give close to five hundred bucks to international missions. Super important for us as a Southern Baptist Church to participate in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And also Finding our host church is important for a church plant, which is like a baby church, to have a mama church. And you may recognize this building that you're sitting in right now, but we are so thankful for Holland Avenue because Holland Avenue, through the Lord leading and guiding us, has become our host church. So give yourselves a hand for that. Thank you so much for being our host church. There you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to ask you to clap again the rest of the sermon. Um, notice our, our flag out front to let folks know that we're here and we're worshiping. Worship in the youth room on Sunday evenings. Uh, so if you had a part in um, making that like it is with the stage and, and the lights and things and, and anything that you might have had a part in in the youth room, um, that area is being used now to see folks far from God come to Christ in addition to what God is already doing at Holland Avenue. We also, uh, as a baby church, need to borrow folks every now and then, and so you may recognize these two good-looking guys here, who played guitar for us for about six months between the two of them, almost every single Sunday. We took them from their families and their time off to come lead us in worship, and they have done their part in training up my daughter, who now is our worship leader, and so Brad and Chuck are home a little more now, okay? So thank you guys for what y'all did for us uh, in this past uh, six months. One of our destinations now is to walk through a book of the Bible together, an entire book of the Bible, you know, uh, verse by verse, uh, theme by theme, to take our folks through that. And so as you put on your VR goggles today, I'm going to take you through um, our First Timothy series and what... West Vista is experiencing right now and so you've all just been basically made members of the church at West Vista alright this has become our West Vista worship gathering so you're all now church planters okay you're planting a new church with me and um, our numbers just went up a, a great deal okay so welcome to our series on first Timothy now the Bible we know is um, a collection of lots of different forms of literature there is history there's poems, there's songs, there's prophecies, there's revelations, there's eyewitness accounts of Jesus, letters to churches, and personal letters all contained here in the Bible. And I want to encourage you, do not be afraid of this book. This book is not some ancient document written in a foreign language that's alien to us. Don't be afraid to open this book and learn this book and navigate through this book. This is a wonderful book. The things contained in here are life. They're trustworthy and they're solid. And you can know this word. God has spoken to us clearly in his word. He wants to make himself known to us and not hide from us. He's not far away and out of touch, but he's close. And he's given us this to communicate to us. And so, you want to be able to go from not being able to pronounce some of these names in the table of contents, okay, to being able to quote some of the names in the table of contents. Take this book, wherever it may be in your house, open it up and begin to read it and journey through that together. You have to make this letter from God your own personal letter to yourself. There is so, so much in here, and it is a wonderful, wonderful book. We know for 1 Timothy that Paul is the author of the letter and that Paul had preached at the church of Ephesus for three years. Timothy was his assistant during that time and Timothy trained with Paul and traveled with Paul on three occasions in Acts 17, 18, and 19. You see Timothy as a young, young, older teenager going with Paul on missionary journeys and being trained and learning. And so when they came back to Ephesus Paul made Timothy the pastor at 19, 20, 21 years old, maybe. And this letter is written to Timothy to guide him in practical matters of church life, church organization. And we figured as a church of about a year and a half, this church being about three years old is a good model for us to say, what is going on then? They're just ahead of us. What can we learn from them? The purpose of the letter is found in the letter itself. This is why I love the Bible, y'all. There's no mystery as to why it was written. The author, Paul, tells you in his letter why he wrote it. And that's how the Bible is. It comments on itself, and it verifies itself. It's self-verification. And the things they talk about, whether it be, um, whether it be geography or people or, or historical uh, events, all those things have been verified. And so the Bible itself is, is so is so pure and so trustworthy and been proven and so I love to find out the purpose of 1 Timothy Paul states that in it we don't have to guess as why he wrote this to Timothy and he says this Timothy so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God which is the church or the gathering of the living God the pillar and support of the truth how do we conduct ourselves gathered together today There are certain ways that we want to conduct ourselves and not conduct ourselves as we gather together. God wants to lead us in being the church as we gather. It's not just that we're here at a certain time, to a certain time, but there's things we do while we're together. There are lots of different topics in 1 Timothy. Guidelines for public worship, selection and qualification of leaders. Let's just say, hey, I wanna be a leader that's wonderful, but there are some guidelines and some stipulations, there are some qualifications that must be in place before you're allowed to lead in the body of Christ. You may love children, and you may say I want to work with children, we're not just gonna throw you in there and say go for it. We're gonna say what does the Bible say about leadership qualifications and is God calling you to do this? That's important for a church to know. A pastor's personal life, confronting sin in the church, the role of women in the church, care of widows, and how to handle money. Lots of themes that are very, very important for not just a young church, but a church really any time in its growth stage. So You'll find out in 1 Timothy if you want to spend some time there. Lots of very, very beneficial information for you right now. The culture around Timothy was one of uh, Greek and Roman mythology. And outside of the church itself there were lots of different gods and what you could do in Ephesus you could pick and choose your gods your goddesses you can mix and match your religion you can choose to lift up Zeus or you can choose to lift up Artemis. Artemis just happened to be the, the really the main goddess of Ephesus they kinda all got together and chose like this is going to be the girl that we worship and we place on the altar and we esteem her higher than all the other gods. But you could do that. You could pick and you could choose whoever you wanted. But the problem for Timothy was not the culture outside of his church. And the main problem for us today is not the culture directly outside of our church. We tend to get off on what's going on on the news and what's going on socially outside. And that's a problem, those are issues to face, and the scripture talks about those. The crisis for Timothy was, was inside of his church. It was an internal problem that Timothy and Paul had to face together, not an external one. Later on in Revelation, when you read about the church of Ephesus, these gods and goddesses became a problem later on, but right now they were not the main issue. What happened was an infiltration into the church. You see, the folks in Ephesus, they were coming to that church for real hope and real truth and real love. They were coming for the gospel. They were coming to hear about forgiveness, the love of God. They were coming to hear about, they knew they were sinners and they needed hope in the answer. And they were coming, but there were false teachers called Gnostics who had infiltrated the body, who believed that they had found the true, enlightened, completed pathway to God in addition to the scriptures outside of the Word of God that there was certain knowledge that they themselves had found and they were trying to gather a following of their own and convince the young believers in Ephesus to follow them and they believe that God has spoken apart from the scriptures in addition to the scriptures and is hidden and you gotta find it and lo and behold guess what He's shown them to me So you know what, y'all need to follow me, not the scriptures, but me. It's an internal problem with the Gnostics. And don't be tricked because we can be very Gnostic at times in our life. We can try to please God by how much we know. We can please God by knowledge. We can know the Bible, know the scriptures. We can know lots about theology. We can know lots about the world and other religions and try to impress each other with our knowledge But just like the Gnostics who came in, God was not impressed with their knowledge of him. In addition to Gnosticism, these same folks came in and promoted a form of asceticism. Now, what I've used here is a a Buddhist monk, because that frames this for us really clearly. Someone who believes in separation from the world 100%, uh, abstaining from worldly pleasures, meditating basically they were believing that if you lived your life the best you could and you lived right and you lived true and you lived perfectly that that would bring you closer to god they also taught that each person had their own measure of of truth and and right in their life and so what might be right for you you can live that way it might be different for somebody else but as long as you're living the best you can the most right way you can then that pleases God, and God will bless that. And so you mixed Gnosticism and Asceticism together to get this very powerful message. And this powerful message was, it's up to me to know it all. It's up to me to live perfectly and impress men with my living. We have some modern-day versions of this. Uh, The Bible Code was a modern-day version of this what you have before you is not clear enough you gotta imprint something else on top of that and figure out the hidden meaning in some of these books of the Bible And God doesn't work that way the latter-day Saints modern version of Gnosticism God has spoken in addition to the scriptures in a second Testament and Christ has given us words he didn't give us in the Bible and therefore the church now that we're in right now is incomplete and handicapped and half it's not the true church but they believe they're the true church because they have the second testament of Jesus Christ and that entire religion is man-made and based on knowledge that did not come from God modern day Gnosticism and the lost books of the Bible we can get off on trying to find information outside of the books that we have and there's some books that didn't quite make it in and there's reasons they didn't make it in There are books that will claim to be written by apostles or disciples. Y'all, and holy men, wiser than us, have gone through these books, and they've found lots of holes in those books. They've found lots of lies in those books. They've found lots of things that contradict the very nature of Jesus Christ himself. So those books are not included. So you'll come across lots of different cults, lots of different myths, and demonic teachings every single day. They're going to bombard us every single day. You can know them by two characteristics. They will tell you that God will speak or has spoken outside of the Bible. Don't believe that. They will say salvation is obtained through your works. Don't believe that. You hear either of these two, you know you're outside of Christianity. You see, these two together... This is not faith. It's not trust in God's grace or provisions or God's salvation. But it's a work that you do that you can be applauded for. And before you know it, you're separate. You're one of a select few of enlightened people. And the rest of us are just ignorant and fallen behind. This type is a false gospel. Paul tells us in Galatians 1.8, There's lots of other verses that talk about words outside of Scripture. I love this one. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. So even if if me or Tao were to come to you and preach a separate gospel, let us be cursed. Even if an angelic being comes down, someone who is just glowing with wings, and they appear to be holy and they appear to be from heaven, and they're impressing you with lights, and they're impressing you with speech, if they come down and give you a gospel other than the gospel that we have, let them be accursed. It's demonic. Let them be placed in the judgment of God, outside of the grace and the love of God. These messages harm us. These messages pull us away from the word. These messages seek to destroy us and destroy the church. These messages de-emphasize who Jesus Christ is. They might preach that he is three-fourths holy or five-eighths holy, but not 100% holy. They may preach that he did what he could to offer salvation. Now you've got to do your part to come to him and do your part. You may hear that in the false gospels, but be careful because we have the word and we have Jesus Christ. So why study the book of 1 Timothy? What's the benefit for us in studying 1 Timothy as a church? One benefit, biggest one of all, and that benefit is this. God's word never changes. God's word never changes because God never changes. His word remains unchanged, solid, trustworthy, not like anybody you're going to meet. Not like any word you're going to receive from your boss at work, from your favorite politician. You're not going to have a word like God's word that doesn't change. God's not going to come later on and say, you know what? Um, I meant to say it that way, and it didn't quite make it in, so now I'm going to say it this way. So go find out what I really meant to say. God will never say that. What is in here is what he meant to say and what he did say, and it's complete. God will never go back on his word. He won't add to it later and say, oh, you know what, y'all, you put it together and you printed it before I said this and this and that. No, our God is powerful enough to preserve the word, powerful enough to complete it and form it at the right time, and it's lasted through the ages. God will never say, oh, I could have said that better. He'll never say, you know, I know how it's here, but... I really could have been lighter there or maybe heavier there. And what we have is the exact words of God. God also won't say, you know, circumstances have changed, and so that doesn't really apply anymore to you or your situation because things have kind of changed some, so that doesn't count anymore. He won't say that about his word as well either. God's word never changes. For us today, it's relevant, and it's relatable, and it's personal okay it's relevant it speaks truth y'all today as it spoke from the day it was set out the mouth of God and recorded by these folks it's relevant today works it's relatable when you read it it's not that you're just going oh my gosh this is just so alien and foreign to me no Jesus Christ was very relatable I love following the life of Jesus Christ hanging out with sinners speaking in, in, in stories they could understand understanding where they were. I mean, Jesus Christ is very, very relatable. And this word is very personal for us. It will speak to you directly. It affects us all as it has all of those before us. In verse 8 of chapter 1, Paul says the law is good. Not just the Ten Commandments, the whole thing. Anything that came out of God's mouth is good. Right, it's it's valuable for us, and it also says it's for all people. The law is good, and it's for all people, and we all need this because we're all sinners, and we're all still journeying closer to God day by day. So, just as Timothy was planting a church, what we do as the church is we plant more churches. That's why we're here. We're here to reproduce ourselves. We're here to reproduce churches, and so what worked for him, uh, it works. It works for us as well, too. It's the same message, you know, because we're, we're one church, we're one people, one message, the message is the same, one Lord. And so what's written here applies to us now, and it has the same effects as it did for the folks who've read it before us. And so what we have is a complete, highly, highly trustworthy but useful book in our hands. So we see what happened when the Word of God was was leaned on and trusted at the time and where the church is today. And so we can say with confidence that our best is yet to come. Our better days are still coming for us because we're still in this process of reproducing other churches. So Holland Avenue, the challenge for us today, there's really two challenges. The first challenge is this do you trust the word that you have in your hands? And do you see it as beneficial for you personally, consistently all the time, but also good for your church? And yielding to that when you're together, letting it speak to you when you're together, and having this as your only source of truth and authority. And secondly, just as the Word of God reproduces in us and reproduces disciples and reproduces churches, you realize that Holland Avenue is not an end. Holland Avenue is a means to an end as churches are continually birthed and grown and small groups are birthed and multiply and disciples are birthed and multiply. From this one church comes many churches. And so look at your church not as end. We made it. We're a church. But how can we then now begin to reproduce outside of ourselves, beyond ourselves? Because that's how the church, that's how the church works. It goes from one to many. And so I'm just privileged today to be able to, uh, to share with you a little bit about our church plan. Um, but also to kind of virtually take you into um, where we're at and why we're studying what we're studying and how this is going on here in your church, and we're being blessed by all of you. And so we, on behalf of West Vista, we are so thankful for all that you're doing. You may just be praying for us, and that's really, really helpful, and we, we do appreciate that. You may want to come and help. By all means, talk to me. There's things that you can help us do. You may want to partner with us help, us, help us to grow. That would be wonderful as well, too. Like I said, we're all one church, the same church. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we thank you. We thank you so much that what you have given us, our Lord, is a true word. And God, it's a word that produces in us wonderful things, not just transformation, Lord, but peace and comfort. God, your word has a way that when we spend time with you and time in it, Father God, you give us answers. Father, you show us sometimes the bigger picture. Sometimes you show us the very next step you want us to take. But God, we have nothing without you and nothing without your word. Lord, the way that you are described is that those are two equal things, you and your word. It's you, Father. And Father God, as we pause now, we pause to ask you, Father, to speak to us through these words. Help us to be strong in our defense against the false gospels that bombard us every day. Lord God, even ourselves as we attempt at times to save ourselves and to grow outside of your word. Father, we pray that you will give us insight. Father, we pray that you will illuminate your word. Lord, may it it come off the pages Lord, interpret it for us. Help it to make sense. Father, help us to apply it to our lives. Father, your words are good. They are good for us. And we thank you for that today. And we pray this in your son's name.